0: Welcome to TW Now. I'm Scott Winnale. When we look around <laughs> the globe, we hear of wars and rumors of wars, but few of us think about wars over natural resources like water. Powerful and ongoing droughts around the globe are, dra- are drawing attention of analysts and journalists alike. Droughts are now commonly mentioned in national and inter- international headlines. We see large cities around the globe being added to the drought watch list. The following recent headline from the U.S. News and World Report highlights this point. Ten cities most at risk of running out of water. Ironically, many of these cities are surrounded by water, and London, England is one of them. Are water wars just an idea in the heads of fear mongers, or are they real and coming to a city near you? Today's returning guests will discuss this question and share insights from the pages of your Bible. I'd like to welcome back Mr. Dexter Wakefield. Mr. Wakefield is a minister, a Tomorrow's World writer. He, one of the articles that he's written relates to today's topic, and it's entitled Unnatural Disasters. Mr. Wakefield is a student of Bible prophecy, and he brings this and his knowledge of end-time events to our discussion today. So again, it's good to have you here with us, sir. Good to be here. Thank you. Mr. Stephen Elliott is a longtime minister and Bible teacher. He too is a student of end time Bible prophecy and history. And he's joining us via Skype from Phoenix, Arizona this evening. Uh, by the way, Phoenix is a massive city in the middle of the desert. It's good to have you with us, Mr. Elliott.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: And for our guests this evening, our viewers this evening, if you do have <coughs> questions as we carry out our discussion tonight, please feel free to message us. We'll do our best to get to some of your questions. And We also invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to like and to share today's program. Well, gentlemen, let's launch into our discussion tonight <coughs> about water and water wars. Uh, we'll start with you, Mr. Elliott. What type of water shortage trends or events are we seeing around the world today?
1: Well, we're starting to see this subject come up quite a bit, and I think probably it's because of the increased population around the world. The world's never had a population this large in all of human history. For most of the time in human history, we were about a half a billion total population until the Industrial Revolution, but now things have changed radically. As you mentioned, I live in Phoenix, and that's an issue. But before living here, we lived in Tennessee, near Chattanooga. And there was a big problem because of a drought in that area back about 10 years ago. Uh, I have an article here from CBS News from 2013 talking about water wars. Tennessee and Georgia locked in a battle over waterway access. And the argument was back in the 1800s, over 200 years ago, The state boundary was laid out incorrectly, and that kept Georgia from having access to the Tennessee River. So they were going to court. They didn't go to blows, and there was no real war, but there was a court battle trying to move the line and give Atlanta, Georgia access to the Tennessee River. I remember those
0: headlines, Uh, we used to live in Georgia as well at one time, as we also, Mr. Wakefield as well, used to live in Florida. And I believe Florida may have even gotten into that fray a little bit because Florida's downstream from Georgia. And what what should flow out of Georgia should flow into uh, North Florida and even down into the Okefenokee Swamp. Mr. Wakefield, what are your thoughts? What have you
2: learned? Well, you know, the... With water wars, there are man-made problems and natural problems. And we're seeing, um, as Mr. Elliott mentioned, that the um, accumulation of very large cities are outstripping the abilities of the cities to provide those things. So we're going to see a lot of conflicts coming up over that. Who gets the water and when? Particularly, as you indicated a few moments ago, where there's a border, where there's a border, a nexus of two people together, or two peoples together, where there's a a, a stream or a river or something, they share it, or one group is downstream from another group and they're controlling the water. So that in combination with variations, natural and sometimes extreme of um, rainfalls and so forth, is simply going to create conflicts and difficulties. There may be water wars in the future or just water conflicts in the future like you saw in Tennessee.
0: Mr. Elliott, can you think of some more cities in the US or even around the globe that are having water wars? And same same with you, Mr. Wakefield, what, what are some of the cities that come to
1: mind? Mm-hmm. Well, since I live in Phoenix, this is the first one that comes to mind and something that I hadn't focused on until we moved here a couple of years ago. But we receive about 60% of our water from the Colorado River, apparently, and about 40% from a salt river locally and the Colorado River has many people claiming rights to it. Now, we're downstream, and we have fewer rights apparently than California. But even within Arizona, there are a number of bodies that have differing water rights, including Indian tribes, cities, and the growers. So there's a, an ongoing political battle, not a shooting battle, but a political battle here about trying to resolve these things as the Colorado itself dries out and some of the reservoirs and dams upstream are going down.
2: Well you're talking about in the United States a little bit to the west of Miss Elliott is California. Los Angeles has a huge problem and also further upstate. Who gets the water? Do the cities get it? Do the farmers get it? Or the fish, the minnows and the streams that are being protected that need the water running through them. So they're in conflict, they're in conflict, not in battles and fights over it. But other areas in the world can be very different. We have, for instance, Egypt is downstream of Ethiopia. Ethiopia is building a huge dam that will uh, enable a great deal of growth and to solve many of their water problems, but it's across the Nile River. So that could create huge problems downstream. And Egypt has said, they will go to war over that issue Mm -hmm. Uh, so uh, we are seeing water conflicts and that's just a few of them where um, we have this nexus of people near each other one claiming water and having control over the other one's water that is a critical issue for the other population you can see uh, people going to war over it Mm -hmm. just
1: one other thing to add a lot of these water treaties and and the rights statements were written up over a hundred years ago and belatedly we found out that it was a lot uh, wetter back then we thought that was the norm apparently or they did I wasn't alive then they (laughs) thought that was the norm and that we could depend on all of this water but it turns out that was a wet time compared to what we're in today so that exacerbates the problem
2: And the, uh, the treaty you're referring to, I think, was, was a colonial era treaty, and if we're thinking about the same one, between uh, in Egypt, in the colonial era, and, and it granted Egypt a large amount of the water, and Ethiopia wasn't a party to it, or say they're not a party to it, so they control the upstream water, and they say they're going to use it as they need it, and it could be a serious problem between the two nations in the future.
0: It just makes you wonder, if you live upstream and the water is running through your country and your people need the water, how could you as a government not use the water? Mm-hmm. Uh, your your own people would take over the country or try and take over the country to get to the water.
2: When we were talking earlier, I just recalled well, this uh, This was a long time ago, but when Egypt and Israel were in danger and in con, military conflict it was a, a military option for israel to hit the aswan dam and that would have been a complete disaster for egypt that depends on it for much of its uh much of its livelihood it would have um, been a terrible thing to do so uh yeah that's Sometimes you kind of get into the nuclear talk of where I'm going to destroy your dam or I'm going to shut off your water, and uh, real uh, shooting wars can come from these things.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, there's, I think we all, we recall probably about a year ago, uh, less than that now, the water shortage in um, Cape Town, South Africa. A couple of million people there running out of water, and one (coughs) of the actually viable options they've looked at apparently is bringing in ice from Antarctica in the form of um, icebergs and parking them off the coast. Uh, Whether they do that is is another thing, but people are going to extreme measures to think about these things. Southeast Asia is dealing with water issues, many of these big uh, cities around the world. Mm -hmm. When we think about cities running out of water, and even nations running out of water. What, how do these water shortages, how could they affect our listeners, even if they're not in a shortage area? What if they don't live near LA or in Phoenix or in um, Cape Town, South Africa? Why do our listeners need to be aware of water
2: issues? Well, if you're living in a big city, New York or many other big cities, even Atlanta, uh, London, uh, the, the cities have grown very, very fast and they're using more and more water for uh, their proper purposes, but their infrastructure for bringing the water in and the sources of that water are limited. So they are outstripping the availability of their resources. So you may say, well, I don't, I'm not in, I don't live on the Nile River or any of these other places. Well, if you live in a big city or even near one, you could have an issue for that. And that can play out in smaller cities and other areas as well as their um, populations grow and they outstrip their resources. Even if you're in a very well-watered area, you may wind up paying for these problems. Because it's a long-term situation, it's going to go on for decades and hopefully people will find a way to deal with it, but it's going to be very expensive. Mm
1: -hmm. We are also in a time of changing weather patterns. I don't want to enter into the the climate change argument. I see uh, arguments on both sides of that. We're definitely in a different time, whether we (coughs) humans are powerful enough on our own to have caused it's another matter but we see that there are really radical changes in the weather that we haven't experienced in our lifetimes or in many decades. The 1950s was a pretty radical time for those of us who lived through it. We thought that was extreme. But now we're in other times that are even more predictable. And if that continues, as the Bible says, it probably will. God said he will use weather to punish if people don't follow him don't live by his standards if they are abusing one another and breaking his laws god will use weather and drought and so these things probably will affect everybody on earth and in the near future
2: unless there's a radical change i mentioned we have a very interesting booklet on that as well should have brought a copy of it but hopefully our Uh, Readers will will get that Mm -hmm. the um, it's interesting that there are larger variations Or we go through periods of times where variations in rainfall instead of that are doing that and as populations grow they begin to hit the bottom portions of these variations Mm -hmm. and As they the populations increase the problems are going to continue and it's a long-term situation um, that is not going away is going to take massive amounts of money and perhaps Many cities will simply not be able to exist as they exist today.
0: Mm. You make me think of a couple of things. Uh, one of them is we do have the variations in, in the water that's provided by, by Mother Nature, if you will, by, by creation. At the same time, populations have the same demand that our demands don't go up and down do they they're pretty constant and or increasing they're going up <clears throat> yes so you run into problems when the two two intersect
2: uh, there's some interesting uh, solutions out there on desalination the technologies on that are, are growing very dramatically um, just looking around uh, we've had reverse osmosis for quite a while in some of the big plants in the Middle East and other places and in South Africa are installing these um plants that convert seawater into fresh water. They use a good bit of energy, but they are getting better and better. They've had thermal distillation, which takes a lot of heat as well. But now some of the new high-tech stuff, and just looking up some of this, there's something called graphene that is one atom thick. It's a membrane. Think of a sheet of paper that's one atom thick and it will let water through but not the salts Salt. and the other things that's in the water. So these things are getting better and better whether they can be put on an industrial scale is another question Nanotu- nanotubes nanotechnology uh, tubes that are measured in the in in atoms in in width um, these things have uh, still have a lot of development to do the chemical means using different solvents that do that um, of course solar is always there but it's on a very small scale so some people are putting their trust in these high-tech things, and that'll be a good help in some areas, I think. But the the huge big cities, these massive problems, uh, I don't know how they're going to, to deal with that.
0: You know, I think about desalinization. I think the nation of Israel and many of the Gulf states on the Persian Gulf get their most of their drinking water from that process. Um, <laughs> Los Angeles is a big city, but... If you had enough plants you could probably do it phoenix i don't know where you're going to get even salt water in phoenix so you do run into problems with the location of these cities mr wakefield you also mentioned a minute ago about how um if cities don't get enough water it could change the nature of the cities you made me think uh, you know a number of years ago we had hurricane katrina come through new orleans in the united states and and Um, I think right after that, a big hurricane, is it Rita? I don't remember now, went through Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. And these storms displaced a tremendous amount of people who moved to cities all around the country and and actually, in some cases, put strains on these other cities. And it makes me wonder, could we wind up with situations like that again? If Phoenix runs out of water uh, at some point, hypothetically, could you have... What, what do you have, four and a half million people in that Phoenix Basin or something like that?
1: I think it's roughly that now. And I'm, I'm amazed at how much agriculture is here. And you see flowing water through the fields. Just, I have no idea how many millions of gallons are going because I haven't looked it up. But uh, that's what it's taking for them to grow things here. If our water changed, that would all have to quit. I'm sure population would shift population is already shifting in some cases from California this way and from this uh, from Phoenix area even further east Um, Mm. historically we can see those things have happened a long time ago Mesopotamia was very heavily irrigated with many canals there's still examples that you can find those canals but they were abandoned a long time ago so it's possible it has happened before
2: We're talking about economic migrants. Um, What about water migrants? Um, We were talking uh, just before the show. um, Someone mentioned that in Los Angeles, um, the bulk of their water is brought in through one huge pipe that brings it in uh, to the city. And something happened to that. What would happen to the city? I was just thinking just now, maybe we would have migrants going to Mexico instead of um, the other way. I wonder how they would be received. But uh, we could have large migrations simply because of of water, just like it was in the Dust Bowl uh, days. There were people in uh, the south and other parts of the the country that had no water, their crops died, and they migrated all the way across the country to California. So those were migrants um, during the days of the 1930s, Dust Bowl. So these things could come back again.
0: Those those seem like really far-fetched ideas.
2: It's happened. It's happened. It's happened. I know.
1: We've never lived through it, or I never have. But uh, these things certainly have worked. They have done before, and they could happen again.
0: And when Mm -hmm. you dig into
1: this topic, you
0: realize this, it really doesn't seem that far-fetched. It it does seem like it could be a reality at some point in the future.
2: And in other parts of the world where we're seeing even less infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen the heat waves that resulted in the United States and Europe just because of a shift in the jet stream. The jet stream normally does this, it moved, and all of a sudden we had this huge... Um, um, a hot spell here in the United States, and then we had a nice cool period while it went over and visited the Europeans. So, um, these variations in temperature pl- combined with um, temperature and rainfall combined with the vulnerability of large metro areas and their lack of infrastructure for coping with these things can produce some real problems. Um, I plan to be in South Africa the latter part of October. And we'll be in the Cape Town area and have been following some of the things that have gone on there. Um, I don't think they're going to be towing icebergs. I think the Saudis have al- already thought of that, and I don't know of anyone that's done it yet. But uh, they are looking at ways to try to deal with an extended drought period uh, prior to their annual rainfall. Mm-hmm. Their rainfall was late this year. It happened late, and they were down to the last few drops of water in their reservoirs, and they only survived uh, because they were able to uh, do huge cutbacks in people's water consumption. Mm -hmm. Then the rains came, and everybody said, and it's back to business as usual. Mm -hmm. But I think it scared them enough so that they will know that they have to take measures to deal with this. Mm
1: -hmm. See, that's a pattern that we see. California was in a major drought a couple of years ago. I grew up in California. Uh, They were really worried, just as Georgia and Atlanta were really worried. And then a rain pattern came in. The drought was erased. And it seems like we haven't really solved any problems. Mm -hmm. When they get bad, I'm sure we'll try everything we can. Some of them seem a little far-fetched. There was some discussion about piping fresh water from the Great Lakes down to Phoenix. That seems a little far-fetched and one of the articles I read about this talked about the solvents that they could use to desalinate salt water, the ocean water, but I checked just a little on the three solvents that would be used and they're all um, deadly poison, they're all terribly um, poisonous to the environment and long-term to any creatures in the environment. We probably would figure out some way to use them anyway or would try them. We do this. But at the same time, when we do it, we often add other problems.
2: Mm. And it may just be that this, these desalination efforts simply uh, prolong our ability before the, the crisis comes. Sort of a band-aid mm-hmm. approach. Yeah, because they can't do the massive amounts that are needed by these major cities. Think of India. They had a city there that was down to the last bits of mud in there in their reservoir. Um, other um, cities that have had these problems in other parts of the world, they're just in a very serious situation. Well, Mr. Elliott, you mentioned uh, a few minutes back, uh, you sort
0: of referenced there's, there's going to be water issues in the future. And you mentioned the Bible, and I, I'd, I'd like to go to the Bible at this point in time and talk a little bit about what the Bible has to say about water shortages in the future and water in the future. The Bible actually says a lot. As we do that, though, I've got a question um, that has come in on YouTube. It says, what would you suggest the solutions to all of this are? And I think that relates to where we're going in the Bible.
1: Well, we start as ministers. We're part of the Living Church of God. And so our foundation, our basis is the Word of God, the Bible. And what we see is his plan and his future. And when I start there, I don't see any human solution, because God says specifically in many places, starting in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28, that if the people on this earth don't obey him and don't keep the Ten Commandments specifically, he will use drought and famine and water and disease to punish them until they turn around. So by reading that with my basic foundation, I believe that as long as we continue going the way we are, there will be no human solution. God won't allow it. I think it's useful for us to spend some time looking at some of those scriptures. As I said, Deuteronomy 26, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy, yes, Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. uh, These are mentioned, famines, (laughs) scarcity of food, uh, desolate land and cities waste, And all of this comes because of disobeying God and not keeping his Ten Commandments.
2: Just to kind of follow up on what Mr. Elliott was saying, uh, all of the projections that I've seen, and we did some studying uh, before coming here uh, this evening, all of those projections I've seen are steady state stuff. Remember, I said, well, the weather does that and the populations do that. Well, people make the graphs, they do the calculations, and they figure that things will continue to to go on as they're going on now. Uh, But that's not the way nature works. That's not the way mankind's history is. It's kind of like if you take a stick and you put pressure on it, it bends. Then you bend it a little more, then you bend it a little more. And if it's metal, it may just keep on going. But most things, like a stick or something, will break suddenly. They snapped. It can only go so far. And as we load up the environment, um, these things, just for natural reasons, could happen. Uh, but God says, as Mr. Elliot pointed out, that he's going to step in. The real solution of this is the kingdom of God. And that's what we preach, that God is going to um, uh, uh, show mankind a way to live, new kinds of cities, sustainable agriculture, everything that we need to do. And he's prophesied and said it. But before it happens, he says that a terrible time is going to come on the earth. It's called the Great Tribulation in the Day of the Lord. And many of the things, that are, well, all of the things that are in these prophecies are going to come about. And many of them have to do with water scarcity.
0: Can you give us, uh, Mr. Elliott, some more maybe specific examples of some scriptures that talk about water scarcity problems with water in the future? And, and Mr. Wakefield as well.
1: Mm-hmm well in Deuteronomy 28 verse 23 it says your heavens over your head shall be bronze and your earth which is under your feet shall be iron and this is after a litany of punishments that come because people have turned their back on the creator God now I know in this country it seems like the majority of people no longer believe in a creator I'm not sure if it's the majority or not but many people the most vocal say no that's nonsense And yet, this Creator made what we live on, made this earth, and made us, made all these things work. And he says, because we've turned our back on him, he's going to start punishing us, correcting us, to get us to change. Not just because he's mean and angry, but he wants us to change for our own good. And these are a couple of the tools he's going to use to get our attention. It looks to me like uh, we're getting pretty near that, pretty near the time that he will use these kinds of things to get people's
2: attention. I think um, the world's population is unusually vulnerable to great changes in our environment with regard to water uh, usage. We were just just looking up one here. Um, uh, Let's see, that would be uh, Matthew 24, 7. What, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. This is talking about the end times. Famines come from water shortages. You don't have anything for your crops, so you're, um, because there's no water, you don't have any food or anything um, uh, to, um, to um, grow your crops with. Talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, conquest, war, famine, and pestilence. So. We have a situation of growing vulnerability, particularly in our cities, and a time when God says that he's going to come and um, set things straight in this world. One of the things is going to be is problems with water, with war and everything else, but also with famine.
1: Mm -hmm. These kinds of prophecies warn everyone In Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 1 it's speaking to end time Judah and Jerusalem this is not just historic ancient Israel but it's the end time and it says that he will take away the whole supply of bread and the whole supply of water specifically Mm. and so the nation that calls itself Israel today has been facing water shortages the Jordan has been uh, reducing, maybe not drying up completely, but then there are other battles with neighboring countries, Jordan and Syria and others, for that water. So these are the kinds of things that I think we should expect to see going forward.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier. I was once in Jerusalem and went through Hezekiah's tunnel at the spring of Gihon, and that he made a tunnel that winds its way down and goes under the city. And there's a nice little flow of water going through that tunnel, a marvel of ancient engineering. But that will not feed the city. That will not feed everyone else. It did at one time during the Assyrian um, attack on Jerusalem, but there's, there's nowhere near the water that they will need, as uh, Mr. Elliot pointed out, to, to take care of things many prophecies about this. Um, He says, I will make the rivers a wilderness, their fish stink because there's no water, and die of thirst. Um, He's talking about a time when there's going to be severe water problems on the earth, and um, it's going to cause great misery and uh, problems for people.
0: So we see many of these prophecies are telling us about how God is going to use water to get people's attention in the future. He's going to use it to punish uh, people for putting him aside in the future. You mentioned, Mr. Elliot, that in the kingdom of God really is the only way that these things are going to change. It's the only real place where there's solutions. Are there scriptures that tell us about the kingdom of God and what water is going to be like, or uh, how the kingdom of God will impact water?
1: Well, there certainly are. Isaiah is one of them that's very it's often quoted uh, that God says that he will make our rainfall early and late dependable again the way it should be. That those who obey him will have everything that they need physically, they'll have dependable rain crop uh, rainfall for their crops, they'll have peace and safety, but he also says that if they won't obey him that one of the first things he will do is stop the rain. To get their attention, and he mentions specifically Egypt that if Egypt will not do so, that he's going to take away their rainfall, and he'll use that, uh, as I said, to get their attention and to cause them to change. At
2: that time, he says in uh, Isaiah forty nine ten, they will neither hunger nor thirst, a thirst, nor heat, nor sun shall. Um, neither the heat nor the sun shall strike them. There's going to be a time when the weather patterns and everything will be controlled and God will take care of those things. Uh, Mr. Elliott, I know, is uh, in uh, Phoenix. Uh, he is probably seen, if you have enough water, as it says in Isaiah 35.1, it's probably one of his favorite scriptures. The desert will bloom like a rose. Um, personally, I like roses. We have a rose garden. So, but they take a good bit of water, I think. God will see you to that and we're looking forward to that time.
1: We do live in the desert. We moved into a house that had no plantings at all in the backyard. It was rock and sand. And so just for memory and good feelings, we put in a very small sod grass yard. It's only fourteen feet wide and twenty one feet long, and it takes a lot of water. But it's enjoyable to have. We have one rose bush. We thought that would be enough to remind us of the roses we grew up with in California. Hmm. So, gentlemen, we're coming down
0: to the end here. Uh, we've, we've talked about what's going on in the world today with water. We've talked about how water really can impact cities. It, it, it already is, but it really could even cause migration issues down the line. And I think there are scriptures that indicate that as well. We've talked about how the solutions begin to be in the kingdom of God. As, as we wind down here, what I'd like to do is ask you to leave our audience with a take-home. What, Mr. Wakefield, we'll start with you. What, what do you want the audience to go away from this program today thinking about?
2: Well, just remember <laughs> that um, conflict over water supplies has gone on for a long time, and it's gonna be a lot more aggravated in the future. It's unsustainable growth, poor management, in unsustainable locations where things get bigger and bigger, and they just can't manage what they've done. What's sustainable for a small city is not sustainable in a particular area for a huge one. Uh, rainfall and drought variations are going to continue. They will probably get even worse. But all of these are in natural proportions to what we're seeing now. What we, God says we will see in the future is much greater variations in these things, of very dramatic changes in these matters. And they will come suddenly, not the slow, uh, steady state that I think um, many of our analysts uh, predict. An adjustment will be very difficult and very impossible, and people will have to rely on their faith and rely on God. And the problems we're seeing now um, may or may not be the precursors, but I think they're showing us what can happen Mm -hmm. and what will happen in the future. So it's good for us to observe it and to remember what God says in His Word.
1: Okay. Thank you. Mr. Elliott. We are ministers of Jesus Christ. It's our role to teach Jesus Christ's words to the people, not our own ideas. We're not here trying to solve temporary problems around us, whether they were caused by ourselves or something else. We're here to point people to the coming kingdom of God and the true solutions. And what we see in scripture is because humans aren't listening and all we have to do is look in the evening news to see the leadership in this country is not listening. That things are predicted and prophesied to get worse. The only true solution is to turn to God. The only true solution is to submit our lives to him and his will and obey his instructions, the the laws that he designed for human success. That will bring what we want. And if it doesn't happen in this lifetime, it will happen in the kingdom of God. So we point people to the Bible and say what the only solution is is for us to get right with God.
0: Okay, thank you. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure having you both on the program tonight. Thank you, Mr. Elliott, for joining us from Phoenix. And Mr. Wakefield, thanks for being back in the studio.
2: It's always a pleasure.
0: Water is a critical element for all life, as we all know. And clean water is necessary for all people to live. In today's time of rapidly growing megacities, and unpredictable weather, water scarcity is creating greater stress on residents and leaders of major cities, and even on nations around the globe. Water wars are a very real possibility, as is the likelihood of cities to completely run out of water, and we've discussed that tonight. Bible prophecy makes plain that water scarcity will play a major role in end-time events and powerfully impact people and our civilization as a whole. In fact, God himself will even use water scarcity to punish nations that fail to give honor and attention due to him at the beginning of the kingdom on, his, on the earth, as Mr. Elliot just mentioned. The exciting truth is that there is a coming time when the earth will no longer thirst, and neither will its inhabitants. To learn more about other resource wars of the future, we encourage you to read our article, Coming, Resource Wars. It's available for download at tomorrowsworld.org. To gain more insights into today's news and issues in the light of the Bible, please join us each week here on TW Now. Next week, we plan to discuss a prevalent social drug trend e cigarettes and vaping. You won't want to miss that program. And we encourage you to join us each week on TW Now. By the way, Next week, we will return to our regular live scheduling at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tonight's taping was just a test. We invite you to be sure to subscribe, like, and share today's program. And again, we look forward to seeing you next week at 3 p.m. Eastern Time.